Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Welcome to uh, <laughs> episode 147. We're that deep in now. 147 episodes. I'm your host, Naomi, and I'm very excited today. A good friend of mine, a very talented musician, as well as a man who has a podcast of his own that's very successful, is here on the show today, and I've been waiting for him to co-host with me, and he did a great job on this interview. Andrew Scott is here. You can check out his show, It's a Conspiracy, everywhere you can get podcasts, and I'll be running a trailer for it in the middle of the show, as I always do. Now, moving on to our special guest as well this week that both Andrew and I are talking to. His name is Christian Simpson, the drummer of Canadian rock band Glue Leg. Glue Leg was out touring Canada back when it was like I, Mother Earth, Our Lady Peace, Tea Party. Glue Leg played with so many of those bands. And Christian's going to tell us a lot about what they've been up to lately as well. So welcome to both Andrew and Christian. Here's some details on Glue Leg. Wikipedia moment. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is real truth. Glue Leg was a Canadian alternative rock band that was formed in 1990 in Toronto, Ontario. The band released three albums and one EP before disbanding in 1998. They had several hit singles from 94 to 97 with the songs Heroic Doses, Come With Me, and Mr. Pink off their second and most successful album, Heroic Doses. Produced by James Stewart, recorded at Reaction Studios Toronto in 1994. And with Pistons and Dragonfly off their third Sylvia Massey-produced album, Clodhopper, the band led by Chapman stick player, songwriter, and vocalist Alonzo and guitar player Songwriter and vocalist Ruben broke up in 98 with the members all going on to different projects. The band's music consisted of a hard-edged alternative art rock sound. The music prominently featured the sounds of the Chapman stick, saxophone, and trumpet arranged alongside hard rock guitar and vocal raps. A recording contract with Pure Records and Canadian and USA national record distribution through Page Publications gave the band enough exposure to support six national tours with opening spots for I Mother Earth, The Tea Party, and Our Lady Peace, as well as performing with other Canadian bands of that era. In 1997, the band signed a distribution deal with EMI. The band released three albums and one EP, Angst, Park Alien, Heroic Doses, and Clodhopper, the last of which features a guest appearance by fiddle player Ashley McIsaac. Their career included various performances at Edgefest and five music videos that received considerable airplay in Canada. We'd like to welcome the drummer of Glue Leg here to the show today. Welcome to Dope Nostalgia, Christian Simpson. Christian. Hey, hey guys, how are you? So it's Naomi and who else? This is our co-host, oh. Andrew. Andrew, and nice to meet you. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, no, Andrew's also a huge fan of the band, so I, I wanted yeah. him to be. Oh, cool. Awesome. He has, he has a lot of great questions for you, and uh, okay. I'm going right. to get him to kick, kick that off. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, so I am a big fan. This is really cool for me, man. I'm kind of just geeking out a little bit. Um, I guess that I got a few quick questions here, but uh, what, what, does the name, what does the name Glue Light ah, mean? You start off with that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the name was established before I I joined the band. So the the band uh, was formed by uh, Carlos uh, uh, Ruben and uh, and Blake. So Carlos Alonso, Ruben Heisinger, Blake Howard. Uh, I, I, I guess they're all in high school. Uh, I don't know who came up with the name. Um, but uh, so anyway, when I joined the band, uh, it, it it we had never ever had a good answer to that question mm. i didn't come up with the name so i don't know it was just mm. two words that went together well oddly yeah mm. Not if, if that makes any sense um and uh so yeah I, I don't know i can't answer that question 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. So we're we're off and and running. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Excellent. And I, I'm aware of this, but like, what can you tell us? Like, what you what your role was in the band, like uh, instruments and and stuff like that. Yeah, I was the the drummer. The drummer. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's all I did. <laughs> you were drumming. Okay. Yeah. Who are yeah. some of your? Did you want to know the other guys, like the other the lineup? Okay, so when I joined the band, it was again. Uh, uh, Ruben uh, was the guitar player, uh, uh, singer, and Carlos uh, was he played uh, an instrument called the Chapman stick, and he was also a uh, a vocalist as well. So it was a trio, and then we. So anyway, we were in uh, recording. Uh, it was an EP. Uh, oh my God, I forgot the name of it. Um, anyway, again, I still I still have a little bit of brain fog. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, so we recorded this EP, and there was a track that we thought, well, this would be cool if we if we could put a, a horn section on it, uh, a, a saxophone and and a, and a trumpet. And uh, so I I, I knew a, a friend from another band that I was in, and uh, he played saxophone. So. He came in and he had a friend that played trumpet. They 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 both came in on this session and, and laid down some horns on top of the you know the guitar and 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 this Chapman stick and and then my drum setup was a little bit uh, out of the the norm. I guess you could say it was at that time it was uh, you know an assemblage of kind of stuff from the scrapyard that I'd found uh, some chunks of metal and metal piping and stuff so it had it had a pretty cool industrial sound to it and and that with the the, the other instruments the the saxophone and the trumpet we we thought wow what a, this is a really unique sound there's we couldn't think of anybody else that had that, that sounded at all like this really mm -hmm. so we decided to make the horns a permanent addition to what was uh, a trio to start so now we were five piece. So saxophone was Andy Wise. And uh, there's this kid named Alex Haird that was played trumpet on that session. And I think he did one gig with us, maybe two. And he was replaced uh, with uh, Bob Makowitz, who became our trumpet player. And he would do some, he was more of a, a not he would he would take the mic but he wasn't a singer he was more of a kind of rapper kind of um, cool was know. this for angst was that the album that, that you're talking no, about no actually angst was uh, was done before my time so angst was blake howard carlos alonzo ruben heisinga shortly after that uh, was it heroic the doses? name of the, the ep <laughs> so we did heroic doses we did uh clodhopper but then there was uh Oh my God. Hold on a second. Let me check my phone. <laughs> is, it, is it Park Alien? Park Alien. <laughs> yes. You Thank you. It was a long time okay. ago, right? This is a very long time ago. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, it, it was Park Alien. And uh, uh, so, yeah, again, that was the lineup. And um, it it changed. I mean, we've, we'd gone through some members and, and, and lineup changes and some significant ones. Um. So, and uh, we're we're back at it, so to speak. Carlos and I decided to do something after two decades away from each other and me, you know, 15 years away from music at all. I didn't do anything and I never thought I would get back into it. And he coaxed and prodded me and kind of got me back going. So we, so there is another nice. uh, product coming out uh soon actually we're we're kind of mixing it now well we are mixing it now and uh we hope to get it out you know it's 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 difficult when it's not your full-time job you yeah. know so we're mm. you know of course we have we have families and we have um uh you know other things going on so this is it it's we're we're we've been very very committed to it and it's 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 sounding fantastic it's very it's different of course than uh, the earlier stuff but um yeah it's just taken a long time because we were having to kind of do this uh when we can we're not locked in a studio and hey you got you know x amount of time to get this done and so anyway next question yeah <laughs> 
I was going to ask um, who your influences and musical heroes are growing up. Uh, well, I have many. Um, you know, there's the obvious um, uh, as a, as a, a Canadian drummer, a young, you know, teenage uh, uh, Canadian drummer coming up and having, you know, Neil Pert was everybody's yeah. hero, yeah. certain drummers. Um, John Bonham, of course. Um, all, all the 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 big guys, the Keith Moons and the um, Stuart Copeland and and all those guys. But but I I, I also really like the uh, the 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 guys that really were creating a really unique sound to themselves, and they weren't necessarily uh, like the you know kind of guys like the 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 Bill Brufords. Uh, he was a drummer for Yes, um, King Crimson. Um, uh, Terry Bazio, you know, pretty much anybody that went through Zappa's camp, Frank Zappa's camp were heroes of mine because they had pushed the craft so far and they'd set the bar so high. Mm. Uh, so, you know, technically it was, it was something to really strive towards, you know, and, uh, you know, back then again, it was just sort of learning from listening to records and, and there really wasn't much else, you know, unlike the, um, the, the, the dearth of, of, uh, of information that's available today with videos. And I mean, people send me clips of, you know, nine-year-old kids now that just blow circles around. Yeah. <laughs> As I just mentioned, technically, you know, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling how, you know, yeah. uh, but again, I think it's just kind of growing up with, um, just having the, the availability of that kind of, uh, learning and, 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 uh, um, you know, YouTube, <laughs> yeah. you want to figure something out, just go to YouTube and, you know, oh, that's how he did it. You know, where it used to be, you just, you know, kind of wrapping your head around a record and trying to figure it out. So there was, it was different. Um, but uh, yeah, so those were my heroes. I think guys that kind of uh, drummers that pushed the, uh, the, the craft of the, 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 the technical aspect of it but also creating their own unique sound and mm -hmm. that to me is even more important and i think that had more of an influence on me i mean if you can see behind me right now i don't know if you can see all of that um oh nice yeah got, like a laboratory of uh just uh sonic um things to that i can bang on you know i've got gongs and pieces of metal and and you know like a variety of surfaces and textures to hit that just to kind of you know let's try and create something a little bit unique here and and so i've always personally um strived for that and i think that the band did as well i mean we we really when we got together it was to try and create something that was um different and our own sort of sonic stamp. Um, and I mean, that worked for us, but it worked also worked against us because we didn't fit. Um, you know, we had a hard time getting on the radio. Yeah, right. Because it's a little different. Yeah. And we had guys that, you know, some radio programmers that really love the band. I mean, they just said, you know, I, I've got your cd in my car it's on like it's 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 i play it all the time and and and, uh, and i love it but i can't play it on a radio station you know <laughs> yeah. uh there was um we had done a uh a contest right when we you know when i first joined the band and we did a contest for 97 7 i think and it was uh you know like their new new band or new artist uh, and we'd, so we went down and it was literally a battle, battle of the bands. And, uh, I remember one of the judges was Kim Mitchell, <laughs> and, uh, Steve Anthony, I think. And, and, uh, yeah. you know, some of those guys from back in at that time. And they were the, they were the judges and, and the, the prize was you got your song added to the, um, to 97 7's, um, playlist. And, uh, so anyway, we ended up, uh, winning it. And then I guess they're, you know, I don't know who was ever control in control of the thing said, well, we have a policy where we don't play horn bands. Like, I guess this, Serious? like we don't play Chicago and, you know, 
uh, <laughs> an odd policy higher, or I don't I know. I, I, I didn't really get that. And, and, and then, you know, so we, they didn't add our, our song, which I think was, it might've even been heroic doses, which I did get some radio play. Uh, certainly it was on, you know, CFNY, I guess it was called at the time. Um, and, and stations across the country, but that particular station just had this weird policy. We don't play horn band. Sorry. So even though we won their contest, the prize was get an ad to the place that we, did, that didn't happen. So they said, sorry, we, we can't add your song. We're like, okay. So there's an, an example of our sound um, that we had, you know, carved out to try and sound unique and, and stand out. Well, we just got a lot of, you know, radio people and labels and eh, we don't really know where you fit, you know, um, doesn't, doesn't, you know, with the new Pearl Jam and the new, you know, hey, where are you guys? <laughs> so, yeah. It was a bit frustrating because at that time you had to have radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, there weren't many other ways of working this music other than touring and certainly being on radio uh, helped you. Yeah. How do you fill up the venue mm -hmm. <laughs> with the radio? Exactly. I mean, now there's, you know, there's a myriad of ways. And certainly going back to YouTube, I mean, it's just a, if we had that back then, I mean, you know, we would have been able to you know, probably take this a little farther. Yeah. I do. I do have to ask because not only did you guys have a very unique sound and, and I'm, I'm hoping to talk about it, but you guys also had like a very unique style of making videos. So the, the sound was, was really cool, but then the singles would also be accompanied by like the, uh, the video for Pistons, for example, had kind of like a claymation stop motion thing happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So was that something that you guys did? You're like, well, it's a little different sounding. We're going to look a little different too. Was there pushback on that from labels? Well, there were there were people uh, that wrote treatments uh, for the videos, and I think that maybe some of those, um, uh, for, for for somebody that's writing for that that particular song, um, you know, they might have thought, okay, well, this music sounds kind of unique, so let's try and uh, you know maybe take a, a different approach to to this treatment. So we would then, you know, we were presented with a few different treatments, and then we would kind of go over them and pick what we like. But there was a record label involved at the time and they have saying it as well. And um, I, I, I think uh, it, certainly that particular one wasn't one of our ideas. I think that was presented to us and we thought, okay, oh, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. And, and again, um, I'm going back 25 years, right? So <laughs> it, it, it's all a little hazy and a little foggy. So I could, a lot of these details could be a little off. So <laughs> the whole point of this show is to refresh your memory. Yeah. yeah. Go back yeah. to the old days. Yeah. You know, um, you, you think that, uh, oh, I lived that. Of course, I'm going to, you know, remember all these details. And then, you know, I can't even remember the name of the bloody EP that we did. Uh, Park <laughs> Alien. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you tell us what a what a Chapman stick is? You mentioned it earlier, like it, uh, and and I I know it's not new, unique to you guys, but uh, do, like what it is and how often do you see other people using it? Uh, the Chapman stick is it just it looks like a plank of wood. Uh, I think it has ten strings, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it uh, the first time we had seen that. Uh, Carlos was playing it when I joined the band, but I, of course, had seen that before um, in King Crimson were uh, sort of the the repackaged uh, King Crimson that uh, came out in 1980. I think uh, the, the, the stick was a guy by the name of Tony Levin, who is one of the masters of, uh, you know, uh, low end instruments, uh, bass player, but um, uh, you know, one of those A-list session guys, but then did this whole other uh, progressive thing with uh, King Crimson and, and he kind of brought the Chapman stick uh, to, uh, you know, certainly popularize it, uh, popularize it. I don't, I don't really know many people that were playing it before him. Mm -hmm. uh, and even since there's some, some guys, but uh, it, it definitely is a fringy uh, eclectic um, instrument. Uh you do see it more in the progressive world. Peter Gabriel used it. So Tony Levin played on most oh. of the Gabriel records. So there's some stick on 
on on some of those records. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was another thing that kind of, you know, interested me in the band was when I first, you know, showed up for the audition and I, and I saw that instrument. I saw Carlos playing that instrument and, um, and, and I immediately just, Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they said, uh, you know, we were, they were just throwing around some ideas for some songs that they had. And then they said, you know, this King Crimson song called red and, you know, big progressive rock guy from back in the day and uh you know of course i knew that song well and uh just kind of i think once we got through that it was like okay this is the lineup you know this is this is this is gonna work mm. felt good it sounded good we we're you know um and 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 yeah i don't think there was really any it wasn't like okay well we'll call you and let you know we got a couple more guys coming in yeah. it was sort of like okay you're you're our drummer like, okay <laughs> <laughs> this clicks yeah yeah it did it it worked from the get-go you, th you think that unique instrumentation then like everybody kind of being on board with that was kind of like what solidified the group everyone's like we're going to do something really creative and different and uh we got yeah, this cool I, sound let's make let's make some happen i think so and it wasn't necessarily even a conscious thing it was just sort of uh one of the good things about that band was um although there were you know two primary songwriters it wasn't which was carlos and ruben uh it, it wasn't really a band about songs and singles and you know it was it was more of um i think our stuff again it wasn't about one song on the record or you know whatever was on the radio it was you could listen to it from start to finish and it was a bit of a journey and and it kind of um there were a lot of different um, elements and influences on that uh, on any all of the stuff that we did uh there's some really heavy stuff some hard rock stuff there's you know slightly you know some jazz stuff on there um uh and and so again that was another thing that really interested me in the band was it, it was the, everybody was open to everybody else's influences you know Ru ruben was a a big black sabbath guy and beatles guy and, and a led zeppelin guy and carlos was more of a of a Rock guy, pro progressive rock guy, um, and Andy was more of a you know uh, he liked jazz and he liked you know his favorite band was Steely Dan you know so at <laughs> nice. all different uh, you know from Steely Dan to Black Sabbath to you know King Crimson to and and everything was uh, you know sort of thrown into in, in the, a blender and we'd somehow you know just put it all together and. You know, there's some people out there that really, really like the band and like what we were doing. So that shows that it, you know, it, it kind of worked, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask, uh, since Glue Legs' um, span was pretty much the entire '90s, how did it change for you, for you sonically, from the beginning to the end of the '90s? Well, did you notice there was any shift in your sound? Yes, uh, I, th I think that's a, a very good question. Um, it's it's funny because the the it started off, and we literally would do pretty much whatever we wanted, and we would almost stay away from what was popular. Mm -hmm. And then I did see, well, I mean, and I think that we probably did this consciously when after Heroic Doses and we did Pistons, we were thinking more about getting on the radio. There were, there was a little bit less horns. We brought in uh, some keyboards just to kind of enhance the sound. Uh, and I think it was a little more song based, some mm -hmm. stuff like that, mm -hmm. from that time. And that was because we were you know, 
we were having a little bit of a, a more exposure. We were touring with, you know, the big bands at the time, you know, our little piece would take us out or the tea party would take us out or our mother earth would take us out. And, and so we would do these national tours and we're flirting with, you know, radio and, and, and getting, you know, more video play, that sort of thing. So I do think that, um, you know, we, we, we could have gone the other way. We could have gone more, um, um, uh, to a left turn from heroic doses, but I think we went a little, just straightened it out a, a little bit um, because we realized that we were playing, uh, we were part of uh, the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so there is, uh, I wouldn't say we, you know, really just, you know, just ditched our, where we were coming from. And uh, cause I mean, even on uh, uh, Pistons, uh, there, there, there's, there's still a lot of, the, um, you know, glue leg elements on that. Um, mm. But I do see a slightly, uh, 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 you know, a, a not as out there as Proctosis was before. So some people, their favorite record is Proctosis, and then other people, it, it's like, you know, Pistons. But for a lot of people, that's when they first found the band mm -hmm. from Pistons, and so they, you know, kind of prefer that. And they progress with you as well, right? Yeah, and and then after Pistons, there that was uh, that that was it. We didn't do anything after that. What was your favorite album out of those that you released in that decade? Your personal favorite? Um, I, I like I, to be honest. I like all of them, even the EP Park Alien, uh, the EP that we did. Um, that's tough. I mean, uh, between Pistons and Heroic Doses, there's elements of both I really like. I, I think maybe Heroic Doses was pushing the envelope a little bit more, and mm -hmm. and I like that. So, um, but then, you know, with Pistons, there was a little bit more success. There was bigger shows, and, um, you know, we were headlining more, and more, you know, people knew who we were. So that, there was that too. So, um, but musically... Again, I like them both, but I might give a slight edge to uh, heroic doses. There. After these messages, we'll be right back. Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So, please, join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network and happily powered by ATB. We are a bi-weekly podcast that aims to discuss selected conspiracy theories, alternative accounts, legends, myths, and more without coloring the topic with our conversation until the very end of the episode. We also feature beer reviews, lame jokes, bad puns, far too many 80s movies references, geek culture, and general nerdery. Our, Our real aim is for fun, inclusive content that doesn't take itself too seriously. You don't have to be blisteringly paranoid of mind control to enjoy a chin wag with your old pals, Greg, Charlie, Andrew, the Irish Madman, and our podcast puppies, Kylo and Ren. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. It's still kicking. Big shiny toes too. Might as well be walking on the sun. Cause track for track, no other CD touches it. I want Got yours yet? Watch music's big shiny tunes too. Seventeen incredible tracks. Get it.
Speaking of Edge, uh, can you tell me how the, the Edge Fest thing happened to come about? How we got on the Edge Fest? Yeah, like we it the, the stories are it, it seems like you guys were like really involved. That was a huge festival, especially out here in Alberta. Um it was one of the first times that like these like huge Canadian bands were were on tour together. It was really, really I, exciting as a fan and yeah. uh, just a huge event. Yeah. Um I think we might have done a couple of of those uh, Edge Fests. Um, we did, uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, we had an album that was out at the time that, and it, you know, we were kind of um, getting noticed, and so they were putting this this tour together. And uh, do you remember who was headlining? That was at Our Lady Peace, and I think it was Our Mother Earth, Our Lady Peace, and and it might have been the Tea Party. I feel like uh, the three of them kind yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. That that sounds but sounds about right. Um, maybe a Connell and Crush. Yeah, I remember doing one and Hole was on it, and um, Silver Chair. No, I'm sorry. That that I was in Edwin. That was when I was in Edwin at the time. Okay, so this is the Glue Leg, uh, the Glue Leg Edge Fest that we did. Um, yeah, we just you know we had an agent that was. Um, you know, working with us at the time and this, uh, you know, we had a, a, a really, um, um, you know, scrappy uh, manager that, um, you know, uh, probably fought for us to get on that. And uh, we did. And certainly we had the support of the headlining bands because they were, you know, we, we were friends with them and we were opening up for them and it wasn't like we were sort of pushed on them. It was, we want these guys to come out with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like our lady peace, Jeremy, Jeremy Taggart, um, he, he was over here well, a little while ago and played on one of the tracks on the new record. So it's like a double drum thing, him and I going. So we, you know, although I haven't seen him for, I hadn't seen him for years and years and years. It was like, he came over and we just fell right back into kind of, you know, um, like the old days. Nice. Uh, so, so yeah. So the, you know, th those guys would uh, say, yeah, we, you know, we, would like glue leg to come out with us on this or you know i don't think it was a tough sell so anyway uh yeah that, that was great great a great tour great exposure for us and and uh you know lots of you know the crowds were huge and uh, we weren't necessarily used to that <laughs> uh so yeah. so so yeah it, 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 that was a good uh that was a good time is is that where the collaboration with edwin began to take place like the uh, we, we got on a, a, an opening slot for I'm other earth or, or they saw us somewhere. Um, we were playing somewhere in Toronto and, and, uh, I remember that they called, they told their manager, Hey, you, you know, we know you're looking for, for new acts. You got to check out this glue like band. And this, this was Jag and Christian and the, excuse me, um, yeah, I'm other earth, um, um, brothers and uh i guess bruce and, and and ed as well and uh so of course their manager came down and saw us we were playing shortly after that and he immediately you know was like wow you guys are you know i love it can i you know let i want to be your manager so we didn't have one at the time and he had i'm other earth and and so it was, it was a good fit so from there we ended up um again doing a lot of shows with those guys and uh, when they split, Ed was putting together uh, a band, and he had offered the guitar slot to uh, to Ruben and we from Glue. Like we were kind of, I guess, spinning our wheels a little bit. We weren't really sure what was happening, and um, you know, it was everything had really slowed down. And uh, you know, this was a, a a pretty good gig. Ed had yeah. a lot of label support behind him and and you know there was going to be some big tours and uh so then um i kind of got brought into the fold you know and uh became the drummer so i did a, i did a couple of years with that his first uh record the first tour first series of tours that he did uh for his um first record so that's kind of how that happened and 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 sadly in a way it was the end of blue light mm. you know so again we were kind of wondering what was next and uh again things had really kind of you know just sort of died down and we were like okay are we doing a record or what are we doing we actually did record a record it's never been released oh really I wow i don't know if it ever will yeah it's been it's been uh sitting uh oh sitting in the and, it, and it was produced by uh matt DiMatteo, who did um 
um, big wreck and uh, Ed, he did Edwin's record. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, it's, it's killer. It's 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 really good. I just don't think it's ever going to be released because everybody can't sort of agree on releasing it. Uh-huh. You know? Oh man! So, so I, I, maybe one day it'll see the light of day. I, I don't know. So that that was one of the reasons why um, uh, you know Carlos and I even decided to. Although he wasn't even part of that record, um, he he just you know kept kind of um, you know calling me up and he had me play on his uh, solo record that he did. And, uh, you know, it's like, I didn't have any, anything like, he's just like, listen, I just want you to play something on the record. And I said, I don't have any recording equipment. I, I, I have a drum set. I haven't looked at in, in 15 years. And uh, so anyway, I threw it out. He just said, you have a phone, right? Yeah. Okay. Just turn the phone on and just record like I need 30 seconds. And he ended up working that into one of, one of his songs. And, and, uh, I realized that I, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, well, that was, that was fun. Um, I wonder if maybe, you know, we could just kind of just have another, another kick at the can just for fun, you know, just to, to do a, a yeah. you know, project, to just sort of, you know, um, not more than something to do, <laughs> you know, but uh, certainly there was no, uh, um, uh, illusions of grandeur or anything it was just like it, yeah be a, a creative project with sort of no uh, restrictions and and uh you know the, where we are now as musicians even though i i had stepped away for again like a decade and a half yeah um, and um you know just decided to commit to it and then sat down started started playing and you know the rust was just falling to the ground and <laughs> Um, you know, I realized that I, I could still do it and, and, and I really liked the music that I was hearing. And this, this to me was, uh, I would say it's the best thing I've ever done. And I think Carlos said that as well, you know, uh, as far as just a, a musical statement, um, you know, we, we're pretty proud of, of, of what we've done. It's very different. It's very, uh, although there, there are elements of, of, uh, of, of glue leg. Um, it's, it is not to the, the same, like if you're looking for heroic doses, um, right. it's not, hot. you know, it's not pistons. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there's vocals on it, but there's no lyrics. Vocals are used as, as, a, as, as textures, almost like, uh, like, uh, synths or orchestral stuff. Mm. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is where we are 25 years later. And uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to hear how, how it's received by some, some of the older fans. Um, I, I put up a post on um, our Facebook page and cause people were asking, you know, well, who's in the band and, yeah. what, what, you know, we're getting, you know, I think somebody put up a picture and it was just two of us. So they're like, wow, okay. Who is, who actually is from the old band in this? And so it was, okay, let's just let, you know, everybody knows kind of what's happening. And uh I said uh, that it is just the two of us right now. Um, we had reached out to some others, but people are busy and, you know, with life and, and everything else or just, you know, lack of interest. Um, yep. uh, Cause again, it was a commitment it originally started off with Chowder who was our bass player who actually replaced Carlos. When Carlos left after heroic doses, we brought in Chowder who played on the Pistons record. And so it was going to be this amazing, you know, bass thunderous bass with this chapman stick and you know a lot of synth action and 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 then my drum arsenal behind me mm. and, um but then uh chowder i guess just thought ah, I, I you know i can't commit to it and that, you know he just he he just kind of uh, decided he didn't want to do it so you know it, it was just carlos and i and do we have you know should we call it glue leg it's kind of it's kind of ballsy since it's just the two of us but uh we we thought we we would because more people would hear it, uh, and there is a connection to the old. Absolutely, right. And uh, so anyway, I just post that, just saying this. Okay, this is what it is, and you know, we know not not everybody's, uh, you know, fans from the old days are going to like this, but uh, you know, this is what it is, and and we we hope you do. Uh, and um, all the feedback was very positive, so that. You know, certainly made me feel a little better because we were expecting that. Oh, come on, man! You can't call this glue leg. You know, Ruben's not in the band, and and there's no horns. Um, 
but uh so yeah a bit of a quandary but uh anyway we decided to just go with it i i if i may the i think the the musical tastes of the of the players involved will kind of stick out so uh like the first i haven't heard the new album i can't wait to hear it I, and I, I i what i'll do when i listen to it i promise i'll send you a message and, and let you know my honest feeling on it like and yeah. I, I can't wait to hear it um but when i was listening to another spin around the sun uh and this was and i i swear like stack of bibles i was hearing uh the first song was um uh it's called and you and uh oh, yeah. and i was like i i heard that and i was like that that sounds like blue leg and then i went and looked at it and i was like this is the glue leg guys this is awesome and there there was a it it almost felt like some of that album was kind of like a, a sequel or a follow-up to claude hopper and it was like some musical ideas kind of got brought in that because edwin there's a clear on that album there's like the song like alive which feels like a very kind of it almost feels like it belongs on a, another album Mm. Um, and the video as well, the video is like this, like big, big production, kind of like a radio thing and it, you know, a stadium kind of song. And a lot of that album though, feels like a very kind of experimental. Well, you're very synth elements and, and stuff. And, and, and that was, that's, um, uh, you, you nailed it because, uh, Ruben had, uh, written a bunch of stuff on another spin around the sun. So Ruben was like one of the primary writers in glue leg. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he ended up being brought over to Ed's band as the musical director of the band, but also for for some of his songs. They're, they're actually, uh, what are they? There's a couple of songs, two or three songs on that record that were on our Glue Leg record that never got released. Really? That ended up being on Ed's record. Yeah, oh. so you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Trippin', yeah. Trippin' is another one. Trippin', the song Trippin' totally sounds like a glue leg song. Yeah, like, that it just was, sounds like that, straight I don't, up. That was one of them. Uh, again, I don't, I'm not sure what Ruben had written, but uh, there was a song in there called, uh, I think it was Shotgun. Mm -hmm. um, Take Me Anywhere. Take Me Anywhere was another one off of our, that, that glue leg record. And I think, I think there was another, oh yeah, the, um, um, so I never thought we'd be talking about Evan's record. Where I would have kind of <laughs> sorry to the focus is on you guys, but it's just uh, uh yeah. Actually, this was talked about before Ed, before Ed went out and did Ed. Uh, our manager was pushing for Ed to be the singer of Glue Leg, but not Glue Leg. Did you play the drums on And You by chance? I didn't. I should have. I didn't. The, you didn't. But it okay. Sounds like something I would play. Mm hmm. It yeah. absolutely sounds like and, like, and I think that was my favorite track off the record to play, to perform live. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. They they had um, a lot of that was recorded even before. They had a great drummer on that, uh, a guy by the name of Stefan Sesniak, who did a lot of the the drumming on that record. I kind of came in later. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but yeah, that's interesting how you picked that out. It's good. Got some more surprises. Win more stellar prizes. Glaring suicides to liven up the slices. I mean, you guys on your new album here, are you thinking about a tour? Are you thinking about like, just kind of see how it goes or some gigs around Toronto? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think there'll be any, any tours, uh, no tours. Um, I don't even know if there'll be a, a show. The first thing we would have to do is figure out how we would pull it off. It would, we would need some other um, musicians along with us to 
you know, we'd have to kind of put together a band because it is um, certainly drumming wise. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, a lot of ground cover. Um, and uh, synth wise, we've had a bunch of like guests on this record. We, uh, so after Edwin, I went and, and played with uh, Saga. I don't know if you guys heard of Saga. Yeah. Saga. Yeah. So I played with them. So uh, for a couple of years in the early 2000s, just before I hung up my stick bag. And uh, so anyway, Jim Gilmore, the keyboard player from Saga, you know, he's one of the elite synth players in the world. Um, he's he's on a few tracks on on this uh, record. And we we're actually joking around about doing another project after this, an EP called Gloomore. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and, and, and that would be just a really sort of extreme outside art project, avant-garde art project, you know, we'll just throw stuff around a room, and hear, hear what happens. Uh, so anyway, so, so yeah, so Jim's on it. Um, you remember a band called Sully? No. From days, Sully. Yeah. Uh, so Becky gained, gains forth from, uh, she's, she was the singer in Sully. They're a great mm -hmm. band. I didn't know them at the time, but uh, I'm back going back now. They, they were signed to um, Arts and Crafts, and they had kind of a lot going on. And, and it's the same story, right? Like like most bands, everything just kind of falls apart and uh, you move on. But uh, so she's done some uh, vocals. She sort of has this Cocteau Twins, Dead Can Dance vibe nice. to, to her vocals. So yeah, we've we've brought some some of that in. Uh, Jeremy Taggart course playing mm. on the record so uh yeah it'd be interesting if we could put together a show and 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 do this do this record then you know then i don't know how we would do the old stuff so it'd be kind of we haven't even gone there or really thought about that mm -hmm. you know? right well i can't wait to hear it man i'm, I'm excited this this uh well, sounds awesome yeah i was gonna say do you want a track to to play oh, yeah 100%. So, okay so yeah. i'll send you i'll email you uh, a couple of tracks before we wrap things up i'm just going to ask you uh, about being a canadian of course was and, and a canadian band did you ever get a chance for other countries to embrace glue leg do you ever hear from like fans um, in like japan or somewhere we, else around the world yes yes cool we, we have actually we had uh and and i wish i could track her down there was a woman by the name of I think her name was Ayumi and she used to, she was Japanese and she, she used to follow us around, like come out to all of our shows and far, like she would drive far to come see us. And I don't know how many times she, she, she'd seen us, but she, she was like a super fan and she'd usually be by herself. And uh, I remember she would buy up all of our merch and she would send it back to her friends in Japan. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, and every now and then, you know, you you, you get some, you know, somebody sent me a picture of a record shop in Czechoslovakia, and you know, our CD was in the bar bargain bin, <laughs> like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, yes, it it, it is out there, uh, but it, you know, certainly we're Canadian, but we never really got out of Canada. We did. Uh, a few dates in this in the states um i remember we did a showcase at cbgb wow in new york city and there was i i think there was one person there that was a friend uh and uh staff and that was it. but um you know sounds hey, like we, a lot of my get we played, yeah. we played CBGB, which was pretty which was pretty cool that's huge um, that's huge yeah yeah and uh you know chicago and some of the board a lot of the border border towns um but uh, yeah sadly we just didn't uh i think all that was coming and then um you know it just kind of again like a lot of bands it just imploded and you know just it just didn't happen and um we didn't have a lot of support from i guess the canadian industry the canadian music industry you know again mm -hmm. we're hard to pigeonhole and, and and a lot of them you know were were fans of the band you know um, yeah you know, so uh, anyway. So much yeah. respect for the music out there from fellow musicians and fans, but it's like, 
yeah, it's like you have to fit into one of these categories to yeah. be promoted. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. You always do. I remember uh, our manager at the time, uh, Bob Latella kept saying, you know, you guys should, pro your best move would be to move to New York. Mm. Just wow. start over, start over down there, just grind it out down there. Like, um, you know, um, you know, cause who knows where it could have gone. You know that, I mean, that's, you've got bands like tool and I mean, imagine they were pretty hard to kind of, you know, uh, pigeonhole and, 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 you know, they certainly broke through and I mean, man, they're still going, you know, so, um, mm. it, it could have happened. It's just, I think that it was a bit limited being, um, you know, Canada is, is great a place to live as it is. Uh, it wasn't, and it, and it had a vibrant music scene back mm -hmm. then. Um, I don't really know much about it now. Um, um, you know, who's doing what now? I don't really, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the scene, so I don't, so I don't, I don't really follow, but I, you know, it was a vibrant, thriving scene. We had our own star bands that, you know, but like, you know, a band like the tragically hip, they sell at every arena in the country. And then yeah. you could go see them play at, um, you know, 200 seaters south of the border with room yeah. to spare, you know, it's, uh, so yeah it's it's tough business yeah well man well, i I'm, I'm such a fan of claude hopper in particular but the whole career it's just you guys are great and i i just i listen to it regularly and i can't wait to hear the new stuff so you know just awesome and yeah you got a lot of fans across the country like oh it's, it's uh, great to hear man um yeah it's amazing that uh people still remember the band because we were just like that right a little blip um and uh but uh, I, I guess we did touch some. Um, so again, you asked me earlier so who some of my uh, heroes are, musical heroes are. Bill, Bill Bruford was one. And he, he, there's a great quote. He said, uh, you can consider yourself an artist or a musician. I think it was a musician uh, when you've stirred someone's soul. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that we've, we did that for, you know, because some people still to this day, you know, like yourself, so, you know, big fan of the band. I was listening to you the other day, man. Still holds up. Sounds great. You know, love it. Um, you know, and uh, so, yeah, you know, certainly we're proud of what we did. Wish there's, you know, kind of went on a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, fun while it lasted, right? I oh, hope. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm glad that we got this time to appreciate you and your music and, make sure that we get this episode out to everybody so they get a chance to hear the new stuff too. So thanks oh, for all your time today. Thank you. It was a, uh, was a pleasure. Yeah. Exciting. So yeah, I'll, I'll send you some of the new material. Awesome. That's Can't perfect. wait to hear it. All right. Hey kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.